what is your personal brand? In the words of Alexander Hamilton, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Growth-focused founders and organizations have incredible opportunities to grow because of their employees and team members' personal brands and influence, but only if they keep an open mind and a safe environment for creation. Today, I'm sharing my regrets about letting my personal brand all but disappear for a number of years, how I'm getting back in the game, and hopefully I'm giving you some difficult but empowering decisions to make. It's all on this episode of the Rising Tide Talent Show. Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. The Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. Well, here comes the rising, the rising I genuinely believe that everyone who is pursuing growth, personally or professionally, everyone needs a personal brand. Everyone needs to know his or her core values and mission and vision. And I think that every person who is pursuing growth needs to be firm and understand that your brand has value outside the work that you do, whether that work is for yourself or for somebody else. And I want to encourage you to fight fiercely to protect your right to have your personal brand and to be okay with both the good and the bad outcomes. I personally am having to play a bit of catch up because I allowed my personal brand not just to take a back seat. I think I actually kicked it out of the speeding vehicle that I was riding in. I did have some good reasons for doing so. First, Continuing to build my personal brand would have meant that I might have, no, I would have been sharing diverse or even divergent points of view from the people that I worked for and the people that I worked with. And that would have created quite a bit of internal strife and friction with my team, with my colleagues, with the friends that I spent every day with. And it also probably would have been confusing to my audience if I was saying one thing over here and the work that I was doing represented something totally different. Also, the second reason, if I'm honest, is I did start to find some platforms to be quite overwhelming. And when I stepped away from them, I welcomed that break. For example, I had more than 20,000 followers on Twitter, and I was extremely active on that platform for years. I first picked up traction because I led two of the initial viral Twitter chats. Shout out to hashtag AJOP and hashtag FitChat. And then I started using Twitter to engage with some of the most vocal and progressive political and social activism communities. But Twitter and the way in which I was using Twitter, it all started to feel more and more like a toxic echo chamber. And I was already having an identity crisis with that platform when I decided to step away. During the 2020 presidential election season, after numerous discussions with members of the leadership team from the company that I was working with, and after taking a hard look at what I was getting out of Twitter personally, I closed my account down. 20,000 followers and years of tweets just gone forever. That was one of many things that I did or stopped doing over the course of three years. 
And they were all 180 degree changes from the strategies that had helped me grow and get traction in the first place. And that is what I regret, letting my personal brand building muscles atrophy. In summary, two things can be true. I can understand why I made certain choices that I did and why I didn't speak up when typically I might have. I can have grace for those decisions and still regret that I allowed my own point of view and my own personal perspective to be swallowed up by other people's or by the company and brand for which I worked. Today, I'm back to what I am best at. And frankly, what led me to so much of my professional and personal success, standing in a convicted way behind my points of view and behind my values. And I am back to, or I'm working really hard to get back to, being unafraid to tell people what I'm thinking or what I'm excited about or sharing my opinions on everything from current events to new software to marketing strategies to parenting. I will always be conscious and mindful of how what I say positively or negatively impacts other people, particularly my friends and family. I am happy to be provocative and I'm happy to be an instigator to a point. I find that performative action just doesn't feel good. And I know this because I have done that before. I know that performative action feels shameful. I've posted outrage content before or supported what I now have to acknowledge was performative content from other people. I don't know whether that was conscious in the moment. I'd like to extend myself grace because I do know that I'm a good person who stands up for the really important things. I don't know if I maybe didn't acknowledge in the moment that what I was doing or saying wasn't backed up by action. I don't fully understand whether I felt pressure or guilty or like I was being forced to share content that I knew didn't have the type of action that it really required. We're talking about the, you know, I can't believe this is happening. I'm shaking my fist at the world type of posts that don't have any action or the right amount of action to back it up. That type of content never makes me feel good. Again, it makes me feel ashamed. And so moving forward, I want to be careful that if I'm going to use my platform and whatever influence I have, if I'm going to take a stand and share a point of view, it has to be more than just talk. And to be frank, I would rather not say it at all if I'm not going to back it up. Conversely, I feel a much stronger pull to act and not always talk about it. There are times when there are events in the news or events in my communities where I absolutely have to stand up and say something or when I feel I must weigh in or when I share and amplify the perspective of somebody else. But there are also times, maybe more times, when it's more helpful for me to contribute and make a difference through, say, a financial contribution or a donation, through volunteerism or activism, through underground outreach. When I have private conversations with people one-on-one or in small groups, I'm able to move the needle more than if I'm just broadcasting to a bunch of people that I don't have a real relationship with. And when I become just one more person talking about it instead of being about it. So those are things that I'm still navigating with my personal brand. And I'm highlighting my journey and my experience because I'm hoping that it resonates with you. If you're struggling with some of these decisions and some of these conflicts of interest, I understand. I'm there with you. I have not yet figured it all out, 
but I have figured out that I am unwilling to stay quiet and I'm unafraid of having a point of view. In particular, I want to be sure that I, the person, am independent of my work or my output. That's one more thing that I'm doing to prevent and combat any upcoming burnout that I might experience because I do think, no, I know that losing myself and losing my voice made me more susceptible to burning out. And I sure did burn out. So having a personal brand is important. And I will also say this because I'm coming back at building my personal brand after taking a bit of a hiatus. I'm now able to find new role models. These are people who have been very active over the three years while I was in hibernation. And I'm able to see how effectively and how positively those personal brands have impacted their business. And I'm not just talking about the founders of businesses. There are so many examples that I can come up with right now of people that I follow, particularly on LinkedIn, where I am able to engage with them on topics related to, but also not related to their industry. Because I've now built up new interest and new respect for the person, I am also, therefore, extremely interested in the company that they work for and the work that they do. During my brief sabbatical between working in-house for a company and re-entering the world of self-employment, I spent a lot of time during that break just checking out new software. It had been a while since I'd really looked at what people were working on outside of my little bubble and my echo chamber. I think software as a service or SaaS is such an interesting industry. And the marketing and sales strategies for those SaaS products in particular have changed dramatically since I was in the game a few years ago. And so rather than just reading about all of these products, I actually booked demos with probably eight or 10 different software companies. Now, I never wanted to waste these sales reps' time or the account executives' time, but I was keenly interested in seeing what these products were about, how they were impacting the marketplace, who's the right fit, what is the pricing, what problems are the team solving? In every single case, I went through this demo process and through their sales pipeline, not because I had been interacting with the brand of the company, but because I had been interacting with or following one of their employees. And it's now so interesting to me when I see companies blocking or disincentivizing or even punishing employees from posting on social media, from posting on a personal brand, maybe even for posting during quote unquote work hours. 100% as a business owner, I understand that your employees are a reflection of you, even if they're posting from a personal account. But if they are posting something in diametric opposition to your business values, I understand that that might have negative consequences for you or for your audience. If that person says something outrageous or inflammatory or politically incorrect, there's no question that there may be backlash for the company and for the company founder. So I am not discounting the importance of that. I'm not even discounting having a social media policy or having a set of guidelines or boundaries where employees understand what is in their best interest to post and what might have negative consequences if they post. But I am saying this, largely the opportunities and the rewards far outweigh the risks. And if you were to have a team member or an employee who acted in a way that made you ashamed or that reflected poorly on your company, The remedy is you address it either with that person or with your community or both. If applicable, you remove that person from employment and you move on. If you have 10 employees 
or 10 team members who are working on their personal brand and one of them goes sideways, the other nine are still critically important and powerful and giving them an opportunity to test what's working in social media, to have strong points of view, to find new followers and engage with people that may not have ever been attracted to your company otherwise. Making your team members and your employees ambassadors, allowing them to be curious and thoughtful and to share content that has nothing to do with your work, well, all of that contributes to a rising tide that lifts all ships. So back to me for a moment, you will be seeing this in action from me for a while. I have not removed any of my posts from the three-year stretch during which I was in-house with a company. They're a little bit of a time capsule for me. And I have gone back and looked at a lot of the content that I shared, especially during the last year of my employment where I developed the strongest symptoms of burnout. Ultimately, I left that company due to mental health and because I knew I could not continue working in that environment and at that pace without setting some boundaries. And when I look back at some of those posts in the later months, it's clear to me that I was not myself. I have to keep extending grace for past Katie. I'm not interested in dragging past me through the mud or indicting past me or spending a lot of time feeling bad about what I did or didn't do because truly so much of my experience in that role was good and was positive. And while there may be some cringeworthy things that I said or did, I think frankly, the thing that makes me more cringy are the things I know that I didn't say and that I didn't do. It's kind of clear to me that there's a very Heather's quality to some jobs that may have just dated myself. I was born in 1980. So if you're familiar with the Heather's movie, or if not, maybe Mean Girls is a more recent reference. I do see now that I was more of a copy-paste messaging tool for other people and the company. And I didn't continue to develop and take the opportunities to share myself and my perspective outside of the work that I was doing. And that is a trap that other high performers could fall into. I know that it is still a trap that some employers are setting for their team members, and that's really disheartening. But I want to encourage you that if you're feeling that way, do what you can to break out of that trap, even if it puts your current role at risk. I want you to consider, is that even the right role for you? Is it the right role and the right place to be if you don't have any space through which to explore your own interests, your own curiosity, to develop your own engagement, to have a life and a personality outside of what you do? If you don't even have a little bit of space to do that and to grow, then I think you do need to question whether that's the right place for you at all. So if you want to watch me continue to build and leverage and learn about my own personal brand... I would love for you to follow me, particularly on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. Those are the three platforms where I'm really rediscovering my voice and my point of view. I'm experimenting, I'm consistently posting, and I'm working to build back my personal brand. It is mostly joyful. And that is the thing that surprises me most, but also clarifies for me that I wasn't feeling that same joy when I was divorced from my personal brand. I am genuinely excited to post on LinkedIn or to come up with a reel or a TikTok. It's fun. It's fun to explore my voice. It's fun to cast ideas out into the universe and see how they're received. It's fun to have healthy debates with people again. If you're not having fun right now, 
if you have no space for creativity, then I hope you will take the opportunity to figure out where you can start to re-engage because I want you to be as joyful as I am when you are posting online. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Talent Show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You'll find show notes, resources, and much more from today's episode. It's all at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, and you can find me at Kay Widrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships.